Cochava is the preferred partner for CTV platforms and retail media networks to help them deliver outcomes-based measurement for their premium inventory. As the leading real-time data solutions company for omni-channel attribution and measurement, advertisers, media buyers, and agencies around the world leverage Cochava every day to measure the effectiveness of their marketing campaigns and optimize for growth. Major publishers and ad platforms across CTV, retail media networks, and other premium advertising channels utilize the Cochava Publisher Suite for performance marketers buying media on their platforms. Go to Kachava.com to ignite your platform's performance today. That's K-O-C-H-A-V-A.com. I'd like to introduce you to Publica by IAS, the award-winning CTV ad server trusted by some of the biggest streaming services and smart TV manufacturers globally. Publica helps a growing number of AVOD and FAST services to power their programmatic ad break decisioning via products including a unified auction, server-side ad insertion, and a demand-agnostic ad server built from the ground up around streaming. Head to getpublica.com to find out how they help CTV publishers to grow their advertising revenues and provide streaming audiences with linear-like TV ad break experiences. It's a rough time out there in digital media these days. It feels like everyone's having layoffs, even publications that have been quote-unquote saved by billionaires. Plus, advertisers are still generally wary of supporting news. This week on Next in Media, I spoke to Tim Hulescamp. He's the founder and CEO of 1440 about how the media upstart is bucking all the trends by thinking like an investor and driving subscribers like a basic math problem. It's a super interesting bright spot amidst all this bad news out there, so I think you'll enjoy this one. Let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Next Media. I'm Mike Shields. I'm here with Tim Hillscap. He is the co-founder and CEO of 1440. Hey, Tim, thanks for being here. Hey, Mike, thanks so much for having me. I'm super honored to be here today with you. Honored. Wow, I like that, That as as it should be. Um, I appreciate that. I'm excited to talk to you. We, we've been trying to set this up for a while, so thanks for making this work. I I think a lot of people know 1440, but it might be good to just start out with like the brief, maybe like the history. And I, what I want to get into is, you know, right now it's there is a somewhat of a bleak mood in digital publishing, especially with the recent layoffs and changes and all these things that are going on. So it, it begs the question of why do anything in this realm? But maybe but, but maybe you could start from the beginning and give us the the history and then we can get into like what's going on in the market today. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, 1440 is a daily email newsletter that goes out to 3.2 million people right now. The way we started it is uh, we're actually not from the media industry. So I like grew up in the finance industry. I worked at like a private equity firm for about a decade. And then my co-founder, Drew, is actually a PhD scientist that is in Capitol Hill. And like, believe it or not, one of his jobs was to go basically like summarize really sophisticated documents for people on Capitol Hill. So yeah, we just felt like when we started this uh, five, six years ago now, that like the media landscape wasn't delivering in, in two key ways. Like one, smart, busy professionals want to learn new insights and information, but like media by design is very niche or verticalized. So there's like politics and sports and culture and technology and business and all these places. And like, we felt like as really busy uh, professionals, we wanted there to be like one place where we could go to kind of learn everything. So, you know, what's going on in the Middle East, what CRISPR is, what the latest company IPOing is, but then also fun stuff like Michelin uh, restaurants, stars and fall foliage schedules and all that. And we felt like to do that, you had to kind of go to 15 or 20 different space, uh, newsletters, websites, media properties. And it just took too much time. So that was number one. And then number two was just like, there's a lot of noise in media. So, you know, you go in and these like 
a lot of these places we respect tremendously, but you, you read the you read the content. It's like got their opinion, or they're trying to sway who you're voting for, or you go on social media. There's just like literally misinformation everywhere, and it's like as a smart, busy professional that wants to learn, it's it just you waste a lot of time. And it's like, can someone just tell us what happened yesterday and like let us be smart people and like learn more and learn fascinating insights? So, with that kind of one-two punch, we say like comprehensive, and then lack of like a clean place without motives and misinformations. We started 1440. So we've been, uh, let's see, we started with 78 friends and family, like unsure if anyone agreed with us or even cared. We did the whole like minimum, minimum viable product process for the startup enthusiasts on the phone or on the, on the podcast. And, you know, just for multiple quarters, just like took feedback all the time. What do you want to see in this? We started one day a week, then went to two days a week, then went to three days a week. And are you working at this time? Are you doing something else? Or is this your full-time baby at that point? So at that, at that point, it was my baby. Uh, I wasn't sure if it was going to be my baby in six months, but it, it was my baby. Drew, however, though, was still working his job. One of the things I've learned about startups is like just how much grit you have to have. And I just like try to thank him all the time. Like he was literally getting up at four in the morning before his job to like finish our product, to ship it out for like a long time to make that happen. And it's just like really amazing wow. that without the dedication, we wouldn't exist today. But yeah, so we were kind of like, you know, I had left my, I actually basically got essentially laid off in, in PE. They, they like basically said that you can, a larger private equity firm bought us and they gave me like an exit package so I could go like explore it. So I was in that stage where I had like- oh, a, It's a good moment to try and do something like this. Yeah, yeah exactly. Life. It was really, I mean, super blessing there, right? So like I basically had been in private equity for about a decade and then- um, you know, sat on a bunch of boards, saw a bunch of companies scale to like billions of dollars. And then basically a larger private equity, I was like a $20 billion publicly traded private equity fund. A larger one came and bought us. And they basically said like, you can stick around, but it's probably not going to end so well, or you can take this exit package. And I'd always been very entrepreneurial. And I was like, they're literally paying you to start a company. Go like, you know, yeah, you gotta, you gotta, gotta, why not do this now? Yeah. Go do it now. Exactly. So I had the luxury of like being able to use, um, that salary, so to speak. And then, but Drew is still, uh, yeah, still, still working at the time. Um, and yeah, so we just like iterate on the product for multiple quarters, tried to understand like what the consumer wanted. I think like that's my big takeaway from the folks that are building. Like that's, we spent all of our time there, like really trying to get in the mind of the consumer. We are that consumer too, the busy professional that's frustrated and wants to learn more efficiently. So, um, yeah, so, so yeah, so that, that's basically what we're doing. Fast forward a couple of years later, five years later now, you know, we have 3.2 million subscribers. The open rate, which is kind of the quality metric in our space, is in like 60% range. It always has been. Wow. So in terms of like, you know, people really liking the product, we have like one of the highest open rates in the space. Our attention rate's really good. Usually those are correlated. And then we're really proud of our audience too, because as I said, it's like, it's the smart, busy professional. But what's really interesting, so it's like, you know, 35% of them have a graduate degree versus 10% of the United States. It's 50-50 male, female. It's spread almost perfectly across the United States. So we have like the coasts, but we also have, you know, doctors in Detroit and lawyers in Louisiana and people all over the country. Okay. So it's not New York, LA, DC necessarily. Yeah. We, we have those folks too, but we also have like the smart, busy professionals yeah. all across the country. And then the last one we're really proud of, which I think goes into like our, you know, our no motives where we try to just bring out all the noise, remove all the noises. Our audience is roughly a third dam, a third Republican and a third independent. So it's kind of like you get these people from all over that want to, you know, they're not, they're sick of maybe like the left right thing going on on the, on, uh, on, on the news at night. And they're just, again, there are a lot of these, a lot of our customers are, I'm a doctor. 
I have so much to worry about. And then I have two kids at home anyway. I'm going really deep in the New England Journal of Medicine every morning and I'm reading all my my medical stuff. But I want to know what's going on in, in business and politics and like fun stuff as well. And they use 1440 as a tool to provide all that information for them every morning. So a couple of interesting thoughts there. So at the time of launch, you know, perhaps perhaps digital publishing, it really feels like it's in a tough spot right now. There wasn't as bleak maybe, but you also had the like excitement around the newsletter regaining traction and and uh, prominence. You have Substack coming along around, right? You have all the big publications, I think, dabbling with this more. But you're right. I guess, you know, mo- a lot of that, like you have the Axios of the world at that time, but they are going for a very specific niche where you really try to do a general market business product or I shouldn't... It's almost like what you're you were going for was the classic newspaper, like in the old days, where it would give you your interest, but also a really wide range of topics that you might not necessarily be like in your profession or in your wheelhouse. What made you think the news newsletter broader interest areas, not partisan, and, and where there was an opening at that point? Yeah, it's a great insight, and I mean, I think it just really comes down to it's like we felt as busy professionals ourselves that were curious, that didn't want partisan information. Like we just thought that we were talking to our friends and our colleagues as well. And like they had that pain point. So I think it just goes back to like, we just, we, we were the original consumers and we just really yeah. leaned into that. Right. Like we think, we think well, a lot of people want this. I, I personally think there's something like t- it's tens of millions of Americans. Like I, there are some people like that love that like hearing like, you know, the right take and the left take and totally get that. But yeah, we just think there's this growing audience of like, I mean, respectfully, you turn on some of these, like the media companies, like the the TV and you just might take, and I got to be careful here, but you you watch it for an hour. Yeah, you got to get killed no matter what. Yeah. 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 You watch it for an hour and like, it doesn't matter if it's the left or the right or so. And like, there's like pundits up there yelling at each other and sharing their opinions about like what's happening and everyone's, your blood pressure gets raised up and then you're like. I watched that for an hour and I don't think I, I learned anything. I learned a bunch of opinions, but I only, they covered like three stories. And we just think that like, you know, that was when that was smaller and like niche media 30 years ago and like just coming out, I think that made a lot of sense because it was filling a market need, a consumer need at the end of the day. Sure. But now it's like gotten too much. And the average person again is like, can someone just tell me what happened yesterday without all that? And right. then also like right. get in, in all these verticals as well. So like it, it, it's the one, two punch for us. I think that makes us win. It's that whole like if it was just if we just did like politics news, say without that, I think it'd be tough because you we're really we're really differentiated as like we you you know politics, science, news, uh, sports, technology, everything in one place. All right, my other question about that is you have this theory for this model for what's missing in the market. Do you have any sense of okay, we are going to have a, a, an advertising product, a paid product? Do you like do you know where your business model is going, or are you kind of figuring out as you go? Yeah. So I think one of the luxuries of the newsletter space generally is there's a lot of like public benchmark data that you can get to see, like, for instance, like your open rate, if it's 20%, like you're not going to make it probably, but ours was 60%. So we saw that there was a lot of evidence of product market fit and people liking our product. Similarly with like ad rates and um, conversion rates and all that stuff, you can kind of, we were able to, as we were exploring the space and seeing if there was something there on the business side, we were able to see other successful people. Axios was just about launching, but you already had like Skim, Morning Brew, Hustle, a lot of these folks out already yep. that had paved the path for us and showed us that like, if you can deliver a product that people want and you retain the users and you delight them every day, there's a business model to be here, to be had here, excuse me, because you have their attention and you can monetize right. attention. And like basically across the entire internet, 
and across the attention economy, like, you know, your attention's worth like X cents per hour or minute. So it's like, you can kind of figure out a way to monetize it eventually. It's just, you got to be good enough to get their attention um, every day. So what has, uh, I'm, I'm imagining you've tried different things over the five years. Have you figured out, okay, this is our sweet spot with a business model. Is there a particular ad product or sales strategy that has worked really well or what have you learned? Yeah, totally. Learned a ton. How much time do we have here, Mike? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, no, I, I would say the big thing we've learned is, so, you know, we have a small like subscription product, premium product that has no ads in it and like a couple added features. It's pretty small for us. I think for that model to work, you have to be really, like the information does this really well. Like it's like really yeah. deep insights where they're like, you know, have this one of a kind content and they're selling it from my understanding anyway to like, you know, venture capitalists and, and like business development people that have like big budgets to spend on that. I think like generally it's like the premium stuff's pretty tough unless you're doing like that real deep dive content. So yeah, we, we do basically, we have a, a smart affluent audience that actually has a lot, of, they have a lot of money to invest and spend and they want to learn about new products. So we've been, we've done like the more traditional advertising route. So we have our terrific partners that work with us. Some of them have worked with us for five years. Um, where they they come back monthly and they run uh, placements in our newsletter because they want to get in front of our our affluent audience. Um, it's like you know we talked to them, they have a twenty million dollar budget say on growth and they're putting five million on Facebook and two million on Google and two million on newsletters and we're competing all at a relative basis. Like you have to deliver like ROI for the customer, but yeah, yep. we 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 that, that's how we monetize. And then from the business model perspective, it's basically. You know, so we like focus on this very, very early on, just like the unit economics. Um, everyone familiar with that term or do I, should I run it through? Or? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So like the cost to acquire a customer, then the, the the lifetime value of the customer. So like very early on, we were able to figure out like with our retention curves, like what our lifetime value is looking like for our cust- for our our, um, our users. And then it's all about like just getting your customer acquisition cost down. So we basically have like a very focused lean and mean business model where we basically do three things. Outside of hiring a world-class team, once you have the team, it's three things. It's write the newsletter every day, um, delight the customer. We, I think we see that with our 60% open rate. We sell the ad placements, as I just said, and then we take majority of our revenues and then reinvest them back into growth via like a flywheel business model. So basically we can go in and like we're spending, you know, seven figures now on growth each month. Like, so basically we're, we're on Facebook, Instagram, Google, TikTok, other newsletters, you know, we try them all, Pinterest, Quora, Reddit, et cetera, et cetera, constantly looking for the next channel. And then, you know, we're trying to find our audience on there and then bring them onto the newsletter where we monetize them, hopefully in perpetuity, given our world-class retention rates. So I think a lot of this like business model was like already kind of had folks had figured it out. And then we were lucky enough to like come a little later and just see how it all worked, but then like focused incredibly on delivering for the customer. So yeah, that's kind of it. Like, you know, we have we try to keep the team really lean and mean. So we do like over a million in revenue per employee. And we're currently only focusing on our one product at the moment. We are thinking about other things, but we try not to chase like, you know, small revenue and small opportunities. We think like we see a lot of people right. do that, especially in the media space where they chase a bunch of things, raise a bunch of money. And then that doesn't end well. Usually it, it's not fair. It ends well for a couple companies. It doesn't end well for a lot of companies. So we've basically been like, you know, can we instead be focused, be profitable, control our own destiny, largely bootstrap the business, you know, have supportive investors, but not who like tell us what to do and like can pull the strings on us if we don't make a, a revenue quarter or like we're unprofitable. So we just made that decision really early on to kind of 
and that, that was from my like my VCP days. I saw a lot of companies blow up, frankly. So just what you know, companies writing IP. One of the companies in 2008 was writing IPO papers at a $900 million valuation and was out of business six months later. And it's like, I'm that was just like, whoa, right? So yeah, we always said, like, insane. let's try to build like a, a profitable, durable business model. And we focused on that really uh, very, very much so at the beginning. And now we've like let that flywheel spin for multiple years and it's kind of, it's spinning pretty nicely right now. But you mentioned you're on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, et cetera. So, I mean, does that mean you're constantly spending to, to acquire customers? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So you can't that 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 because that's all probably. I don't know if every publisher is that active or thinks that way. You're almost. It's almost like it reminds me of a streaming service where you're constantly in that market and trying to fight churn. Like you can't just rely on people forwarding this thing and signing up. Like you have to be in that market all the time. So, uh, slightly disagree with that. I would say so. About a third of our growth is organic. So it's word of mouth referral, okay. people forwarding the email. So we would totally continue growing if, even if we turned off growth, it just allowed us to grow much faster. Gotcha. Okay. Right. Because I think we figured out the unit economics like model. I, it, it's really interesting. I'd love your take on this. I, I was actually talking to someone else about this. There's almost like a stigma about doing paid growth, like in media, like they, they, people don't talk about it. Yes. And in, in I agree with that. In like in, or you're buying an audience. It's not real somehow. Yeah. But it's, it's not though. It's just like, I mean, in the private equity world where I came from, they're like that. That team figured out how to turn a dollar into six dollars. Like that's the whole point of this, this exercise, right. right? So, but in the media world, sometimes people look at it and they're like, "Oh, you know, well, two thirds of your audience is is paid." And it's like, well, that's how ninety nine point nine percent of businesses work. They basically have a product and they have to find marketing. Now, if you're Instagram or one of these companies that you know has an incredible once in a once in a blue moon product and it like blows up or, over the entire internet, like those are incredible. Yeah, that's like, different, but that's yeah, it's awesome. But yeah, that's. That's like the, you know, one in a one business a year basically does that, right? The rest of them are doing this whole, right. I have a lifetime value of a customer. How do I, how do I delight them? How do I retain them? And how do I acquire them efficiently? So I, it's, it's just weird. I, not being from the media industry, as I talk to more people, they're like, oh, you guys do paid growth. And they kind of give me this look and I'm like, so you're not doing paid growth. You haven't figured that out. Like, what do you, what, what am I missing? So it's just, it's just fascinating. Yeah, it is. It's a different mentality. I think it's, it's non-traditional, but it it's, it's, it makes a lot of sense, and 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 you're, I think there's a lot of classic media company media publications that just didn't even do a whole lot of analytics and cost analysis like you're talking about. But that, that's changing, obviously. But that that isn't your. It's a different approach that you bring into the market. Yeah, we can tell you the the lifetime value and the cost of every single user we've ever brought into our system. Yeah, can you tell us a bit about the the advertisers you've been working with and the brands? And I'd love to maybe get your take on what is the digital publishing ad market like right now. Yeah, absolutely. So as I said, like we work with brands that largely what we'll call like direct response. So they are selling products or services. They tend to be like financial services companies and then consumer goods products. Those are the biggest two buckets. Again, like these companies are profitable and they have money to reinvest back into growth. Kind of the same thing we're doing, but just on the sell side versus the buy side. And they basically look at this and like, you know, their, their customer acquisition costs are and lifetime values are higher. So like we target like two or three bucks customer acquisition cost. You know, a, a credit card company is char- is targeting like a hundred dollars or something like that because they make three hundred dollars off the the credit yep, card. Yep. But it's all the same thing. So they just have these budgets and they're they're trying to deploy them um, efficiently and see returns on it. We we definitely did see like so it, it's amazing if you go back and look at our data, our CPMs. So like uh, we're highest the same month that Bitcoin was at sixty nine thousand dollars. So. If, like if you go back and look at it, like it, it kind of makes sense, right? That's when like SoftBank was giving out money to all the, the companies yeah, and yeah. everything was frothy and like everything was going to the moon. So 
we saw a lot of our, some of our partners, I think I'm speculating here, but from what I, I can, I can muster, like, I think they basically, if they were looking for like a two X return during like the good times, maybe it's like one and a half so they can like, they can spend more and, and run more and, and yeah. that whole thing. So we, we definitely saw our CPMs decline um, a little bit or not a little bit, like quite a bit from like the Bitcoin high for like over the next year, but it's rebounded since uh, like last Q, Q, late Q3 of last year, it started to rebound. Have you found, sorry to interrupt you, like a lot of brands are, I don't know, it depends on how you categorize yourself. A lot of, a lot of brands are like freaked out about news right now. They don't want to touch it. They don't want to be, they don't want to be next to anything that's scary, bad, like a war, crime. Then they also are, are very afraid of getting caught up in the culture wars, getting caught up in the partisan stuff. So I guess, are you encountering that? Or I guess, or does your, you know, nonpartisan bent kind of help you there? Yeah, the latter. It definitely helps us there from like a brand safety perspective because they know that if it's something, um, you know, there might be something like, uh, you know, if you, you could hypothetically be next to a, a, a hurricane or something like that, but you're not going to be next to like an opinion piece from a senator on gun control because I just, we don't right. cover that. It's not in there. So I think like what we see is once the advertising buying community that uh, cares, cares deeply about that, once they like realize what our product is and like they start, they become readers, they get that we're a brand safe solution for them. Okay. So they're not, you're not, you're not getting a whole lot of like, stay away from me. I don't do news. No, not yet. No. Okay. What about, I, I know we compared you to Axios and you started around that time that they've made a really big business and they're, they're, they're very, some, in some ways, DC centric publication where they have this, I wouldn't call it direct response advertising, but it's like the think tanks and the lobbyists are and Google and Facebook producing like branded content that's very specifically trying to sway hearts and minds. Have you, is that an area that you want to touch or get into like a studio kind of work? Yeah. So we call it just like fortune 50 advertising where it's like more yeah. awareness focused than right. um, like direct, like return on investment focus. So yeah, it's actually a, one of our areas of focus this year. We recently hired someone from uh, Amazon and Business Insider to hopefully take our sales to the next level um, and partner with some of those brands. That's Elizabeth uh, Milstein, correct? Yeah, Lizzie. Yep, Elizabeth Milstein, exactly. So she's trying to, she's working. Yeah, so what's her mission kind of? Yeah, I think it's to basically to to tell that story that I think, you know, we didn't do a great job early on of uh, of like getting out of the marketplace. I think like we focus, we made the strategic decision. I saw this as, a, as, a, as an investor. A lot of companies like are very flashy, and like they're sexy and then like they go out of business and they spend all their money on PR and launch parties and all that. And we basically said, I've seen that not go well. Let's focus on building a durable business that's profitable, that can last the next 50 years. And then one day we'll have this high class problem that no one knows us, but we'll have to solve that. And like- Wow, you really don't understand the media, do you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 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 So we're, we're kind of in that, in that phase now. It's like we have this audience. And if you look at our audience, it's actually the one that the, the the closest comp is Axios. If you look at like the the data yeah. on like the um, household income and percent graduate school and, and all that, uh, it, it is Axios. So yeah, that's like what we're trying to do next is basically go to these brands and say, hey, if you're investing in Axios and WAPO and New York Times and all these places, like we actually have that same audience. And oh, by the way, it's deduplicated. Like I think so. it's like 10% of our audience reads Axios because like Axios is great. I love, we, we, we look up to them. Obviously they're required for, sure. they're a wonderful publication. Um, I think the thing though is it's, it gets like by design, it's niche, right? So they have like all the different pro rata. I read pro rata every morning. Uh, we, we love the politics ones, but like, again, if you're a busy professional, you don't have time for all those. 
So we try to give you all everything in one place for everything else. Um, and, and because of that, we actually have a lot of what, what I call like, maybe like we have a lot of intellectually curious folks that maybe I wouldn't consider news junkies. So like, they're really smart. Like as an example, I read a lot of like business news and crypto and venture capital and all that, but I'm not reading like Politico or any of those like really deep niche politics ones. Cause it's just like not my take. It's not my thing. Uh-huh. Drew, our editor in chief who loves politics reads all those. Right. So yeah, I go deep on business and everything else that, you know, 1440 helps me with. He goes deep on politics and everything. So we, what we see is there's a lot of our readership is not necessarily like news junkies where they need to know like, McCarthy did this very specific thing today. They instead want to know like, okay, what's happening in DC? What's happening in, in Ukraine? And then also like, show me the Michelin stars, show me the fall foliage schedules, get, sh- send me a, a primer that describes CRISPR to me, right? Like, so we actually, yeah. it's almost like this intellectually curious class of professionals and not necessarily news junkies. So because of that, we actually have this audience that like not, it's like very du- deduplicated versus lots of those media companies. And that's the pitch we're working on to these larger buyers. It's like, right. hey, you should come come partner with us. Now, given your nature, I mean, every media company is gets this pressure at one point, or it feels this pressure to like, do I do I expand? Do I do a sister publication? Do I do five different verticals? I wonder if you're thinking about that because you don't want to lose what you are and go and become a politico or become in whatever category the deep, you know, like hardcore news jug juggy thing, but you want to or but you want to expand, or maybe not. Are you thinking in those terms? Yeah, we we, de- we definitely are. Um, we're we're trying to think about like not not what's next, but like what's the the incremental solutions we could provide to the reader. We actually we're still trying to work through that, but we actually think like it's it, instead of going niche and like tangentially vertical, if that's the right term, right? Science, like we could uh-huh. we could launch a science newsletter and a business newsletter and all those things tomorrow. Yeah, but we actually think there's something bigger, and we, we haven't figured out exactly what it is yet. We're working on it. Stay tuned, but. Um, it's more like kind of leaning into what we do well, which is basically curating knowledge across all the different verticals. Like, can we go more into that? And then instead of like just doing the news, do it on other topics as well and help people stay smart. Um, maybe learning about things like, you know, Alzheimer's and CRISPR, as I've said, like five times now, uh, my buddy always says <laughs> I say CRISPR like five times on these things. Um, so he's right. Um, so, so yeah, it's, so it's, I think it's like, we're trying to figure out does like, does it make sense to like niche down or like give some, do something else? But regardless, the thing that we like to think about is, you know, so if, if you're like a, a political DC insider, again, to use that ex- an analogy, wonderful business because the people that literally are setting the policy agenda for the United States, like are reading your newsletter. So like that, that attention and awareness is worth a lot of money. But like we, yep. there's not that there's not that many of those people like the insider DC types. There's like a, I don't know a couple hundred thousand maybe or something like that. If you look at like the, yeah, sure, it's finite. Yeah, exactly. We're like my our audience is tens of millions, maybe a hundred million people. Again, like this smart professional doesn't have a lot of time, wants to learn things fast in a comprehensive way. We think that's really big. So to date, we've stayed away from like niching down and trying to like think bigger, yeah. and then also just like. Or TAM, as I said, like we think it's pretty big. We think it's like 100 million people or 80 million people or something like that. So because our TAM's large and we only have, what, 4 or 5% of it or something like that, we can keep growing where I think what you see with, with a lot of these like more uh, niche media companies is you kind of hit your ceiling more quickly. You get to 250,000 people and they're like, all right, there's no growth, so we got to go out. And it, it makes total It's totally logical and I see why people do it. But for us, like because we, we're not forced to do that, I think it gives us the luxury of saying, 
maybe we should like think about this a little differently? And is there something else that's more profitable and more frankly, just like delivers more value to the user than like another like newsletter? Because there's a lot of daily newsletters on different on specific topics. Like it's pretty crowded too. I was going to say, are we at peak newsletter at this point? It's really different than even the five years you started. Yeah, I don't know. Everyone keeps everyone keeps a, like ask me that, and then like it, it keeps you know. It's so, I, I, it feels. I, I want to say yes, but then I kind of also want to say no because I think with like Substack and you have Beehive now, I think what's really fascinating is the like the creator economy. People are starting to realize. Okay, I'm going to be I'm like super biased on this, but. I, I get something like, I actually count, but it's like 150, 200 newsletters a week. I love, <laughs> I love them. They're, they're incredible, right? So you have like, I get one on t- uh, shoes, Chicago is where I live, food, Michelin stars, crypto, like all these things that I'm like really passionate about. You got a little bit of a problem, Tim. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, but, but you know what's so cool about them though? So like, you know, I can pull them into my inbox. They're, they're, they're there for me. And I realize yeah. it's a newsletter guy pitching people on newsletters, but right, it, it comes into my yeah. inbox and then I can quickly look and see some, some person that's incredibly passionate about X space went out and researched that for 20 hours a week, put their heart and soul into it has all these awesome insights and they're talking to awesome people in the space and then they send it to my inbox and I can read it for free if I want to. It's like incredible. Yeah. So like, and so I get, I get all that knowledge and insights. And then also I can like, like I use the snooze feature. Like I actually Tuesday nights, I get like 30 newsletters and I snooze to Tuesday night and I read for two hours and I just have like this myriad of information that's incredible. So yeah, is it, are we at the peak? Maybe, but like, I actually think as more of these creators come aboard and use platforms like TikTok or sorry, uh, Substack and and Beehive and ConvertKit and all that. I actually think there's a long way to go. Still, the 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 flip side of that is I do think there's a lot of maybe like not excellent quality newsletters. So like you know, yeah. just like with any bubble or you know the tech bubble in '99, like there's a bunch of bad companies and bad products in there. But I think on the whole, like there's going to be more people utilizing the newsletter as a way to um, just yeah, help others learn and it just yeah, help, help others and help others. The form is so flexible and resilient. It really it's is. Incredible. Yeah. And you own your audience. And they say, you know, emails, the original killer app, you own your audience on yep. Twitter and, uh, or sorry, X and Facebook. You can get like, you know, just, they just take the audience away from you. Like you always have control over the audience. Um, you can always reach them. So yeah, it's, we, we think it's like a wonderful medium and, um, yeah, folks, folks really enjoy it. And I, so I would say like, kind of peak, but like still feels like there's quite a bit of runway. All right, Tim, I think it's a very hopeful note to end on. Awesome stuff. Great conversation. Let's do it again sometime. Cool. Yeah, Mike, thank you so much again for having me. Super honored to be here. I love what you're doing. And if I could be helpful in any way to you or your listeners or anyone, feel free to shoot me an email at tim at join1440.com. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks so much. Have a good one. Thanks, Mike. Thanks again to my guest this week, 1440 founder Tim Hillscamp, and of course, my partners at Publica and Coach Chaba. If you like this week's episode, please take a moment to rate and leave a review. We have lots more to bring you, so be sure to hit that subscribe button. We'll see you next time for more of what's next in media.